Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Long Distance Work Life Podcast, where we try to make sense of remote work, hybrid work, however it is we make a living in these crazy virtual times. My name is Wayne Tremel. I am your host. It is lovely to have you with us. This is a Marissalus episode. Don't let that distress you because we have, as always, when Marissa's not here, an excellent guest. So I am going to introduce you to Elise Keith from Lucid Meetings. She and I have known each other a while professionally. It's been a minute. Yeah. It, it has been a minute. Um, this is how long it's been. We discussed meetings long before Zoom was a word, a verb, or a syndrome. So it's been it's been a minute. Elise, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm swell. Uh, you and I had a chat uh, offline, as sometimes human beings do, a while ago. And you are engaged in something really, really exciting. Um, those of us who are in the remote workspace, we kind of had a long time to build up to it. And then all of a sudden, everybody got thrown in the deep end. And we've spent two years treading water and dog paddling and trying to make sense of all this. And now as we emerge out of the initial COVID panic, we're trying to make sense of what the world looks like. And, and you're actually trying to quantify and document all this. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're engaging in a massive multi-part um, sort of quasi-experimental field study uh, to get some evidence about what are some of the ways that we should be thinking about designing work going forward. Now, one of the things that I want our listeners to pay attention to is not only are we going to talk about some cool stuff that we've learned, you have an opportunity to be your own little lab rat in this experiment. We want you to sign up, take part, give us your input, and be part of this giant experiment, which is really very cool. So we will give you all of the necessary links and places that you can participate. So for now, I want Elise to kind of tell us what it is you're potentially getting into, dear listener. So uh, a little tiny bit of backstory. Um, as you know, and as I'm sure many of you have experienced, there is this question about whether, when, how, if, how much time we should be spending back in the office together. And as people try to answer that question, they look to the experts and the pundits, but they also look to the science, right? And there was a bit of research that came out early in the year that suggested that if you want teams to be innovative, if you want to unlock creativity, you had better get people back together in the room. Citing the science, leaders everywhere said, fabulous, remote work is dead. They were, they, a lot of senior leaders received the evidence that they really, really wanted to hear, which is people aren't as creative when they are not together. Now, I know that you know the dirty little secret about that data. Yeah, so um, anytime you see somebody say the evidence or the science, definitely get curious because that's not really how science works. The way science works is uh, 
people investigate all kinds of questions very, very deeply. And in this particular instance, the researchers involved were looking at a very, very narrow question. They wanted to understand the impact of the camera on brainstorming, which is just one of many aspects of innovation. Well, and so legit, what they did- A legit question, it's, to Absolutely. And then so to, to make it possible to narrow and isolate all the variables, they did the simplest possible experiment that would help them answer that question. Uh, they took students and they put broke them into pairs. And in one, one group sat in a room together and another group went over WebEx. Um, and they said, hey, you've got five minutes. Come up with as many creative alternative uses for a Frisbee as you can. So five minutes and they typed, typed, typed. And the teams in the room came up with one and a half more ideas than the other teams on average. So there you go, in the room works better. And of course the experiment has some, had a field study aspect to it and a few more steps, but basically that's it, you know, go off, think of creative ideas, count them. Well, Golly, that's not the kind of innovation we're actually doing with clients when we try and do creativity. We're not just listing creative ideas for a Frisbee, right? We're, we're trying to solve problems. We're working in complex spaces. We certainly don't just shout at a bunch of ideas at each other and call that good. So the facilitation community and the remote work community saw the actual evidence behind this policy recommendation and said, you know what? this makes us mad. And they started getting getting angry on the internet, you know. At, Which is um, the best, most productive kind of angry, to be sure. <laughs> right, somebody's wrong on the internet, let's, let's get together and tell them. Um, but the study itself was actually, it's sound. You know, the, the question they were asking and the way they asked it got to a real result. The question that we are now interested in is, what happens when we actually embrace the complexity of, of what creativity in teams means? What happens when we run experiments not using the simplest method, but the kinds of methods that uh, creativity experts, innovation experts would be proud to use with clients? What if happens when we do the best job we possibly can with our hybrid techniques and our online techniques and our in-the-room techniques, do we still get the same result? Or do maybe we learn something a little bit more nuanced? So that's the job of this experiment. That's the job of the experiment. Now, we have a lot of people listening who are engineers and scientific folks, and they're all going, hmm, interesting. How are we going to do this, right? What does this six-month giant thing look like? And I know that there are four components, so I'm going to allow you to uh, explain it. Fabulous. So, um, you know, step one is to not have, you know, the, the scientists and the facilitators and the, the remote work experts fight, but instead come together. So we have... I don't think you step... understand how the internet works. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know it's this radical positivity idea is uh, is a heavy lift. I've got to say it's not quite as good a sell as being angry, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. Uh, so we've assembled an advisory group that is half research scientists and half facilitators to design a new experiment, and then 
Together, we are curating a kickoff symposium that starts in January. Maybe some people will come and speak for us about some of the clever things they know. They may or there may or may not be a representative of this podcast speaking <laughs> on this event. Uh, by the way, for those of you listening, this is January of 2023 because yes. it is going to start shortly after this episode drops and some people may be listening afterwards. So in January of 2023, our first step in designing this big experiment is to say, okay, if we are going to test the best possible processes, the best possible approaches, what might those be? So we have three days and we're bringing together experts in all kinds of really fascinating related fields. We've got neuroscientists coming to talk about what teaming looks like in the brain and facilitators leading their processes and innovation experts and space designers talking about like, how do you set up an office that unlocks the power of creativity and tickles the soul? So fabulous three-day symposium where we surface what we think the best might be. That's part one. Part two with all of that information, we invite the universe to submit a 90-minute process that they think is worthy of being tested. If you're going to get evidence for the best way to lead a team through a process where they face a challenge and they come out the end with two to three fabulous ideas, what might that look like? And by universe, she means people like you, listener. So if you are fascinated by this, if you lead innovation conversations remotely, you are welcome to contribute, participate, sign up, join the festivities. Absolutely. Wonderfully um, exciting opportunity to crowdsource how might we. Uh, do this together. So those will come in. The advisors will select a set of those to then test. Now we have teams already beginning to sign up to then run that test. We'll have a topic that they'll select. Uh, we're going to, you know, this is the challenge we're gonna face. And then they will run through the process that's been designed and then submit their data. So these will be teams of 12 to 36 people somewhere in there. So you, you know, a good sized team of folks. Um, and then you run through that process and you get to choose whether you want to do that online, in the room, or even in a hybrid setting so that we can see kind of the impact of, of what they were looking at in that original study of cameras and, and place on the results. After the data's in and all the teams have shared their study uh, results, we will have a huge party. We're planning a huge hybrid party for July of 2023, where we share what we see, we share uh, the kinds, the great ideas that the teams come up with so that we can, you know, compare and maybe actually do something useful with the brainstorming results. Although, I, you know, maybe they did something useful with those Frisbee uses, but I think maybe that was throwaway brainstorming. We're after a little bit more interesting topics so that potentially we can take this innovation kickstart and, and turn it into some real work later. 
Yeah, and at the end of the day, the goal is to find techniques and processes which are replicatable, that other people, that anybody who needs to brainstorm can then learn from, use, adapt, all that good stuff. Riff on, exactly. So one of the, the commitments for everybody involved in this particular process is open collaboration. So the designs that we test will be fully scripted and available for teams to use when and where they want. So maybe we will find, maybe we'll replicate the findings of the original study and learn that people do do slightly better if they're together in the room. Well, for a lot of teams, that's kind of irrelevant because they're not going to come together into a room because they work internationally. So what is our next best option, right? It's not a black or white situation. This is really a matter of if your context is this, what should you do to get the best possible result? So open public processes and then open data because some of the questions we're asking are fairly simple in this short time frame. What else might we learn when we look at that data a second and third time? So that so, is um, an invitation for the scientists out there. Yes, so hold that thought. If you're listening to this and you think this sounds really cool and this is something that you would like to be part of, we will have links to how to find out and how to participate and how to contact Elise and all of that good stuff on our webpage at longdistanceworklife.com. The information from this episode, as always, will be available. Now, at least we've got a few minutes left. You said something a moment ago, which is what we've learned. And I thought it might be interesting since my organization pre, 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 uh, <laughs> Remote Le Leadership Institute, uh, and your organization at Lucid Meetings, we were kicking around, how do you run decent web meetings and communication long before anybody wanted us to, or before the world changed so <laughs> suddenly. And because we've been around for a while, and now we're seeing people talking about hybrid teams, like it's something totally new. And it, <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. What are a couple of things that we've learned through the pandemic? Yeah, well, I think the le I think the the lessons are not equally distributed, right? Like the like the best possible future. So one of the one of the things we've learned um, is that teams that are intentional about where and how they work, especially in the purposefulness and the uh, mechanisms for their communication, were very successful in this time. They really didn't see the huge disruptions in productivity, the huge disruptions in, in the, the resignation tsunami or whatever that one was, and now the quiet quitting. They're not seeing those same problems. Now, let team, me make sure I understand the highly complicated idea that you're pushing here, which is if you're mindful and thoughtful and thought about what you were doing, you were probably okay. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, you know, the, the mechanism, which is not a new mechanism, but it is still highly underused, um, is the, the, the working team agreement. 
right? How many teams do you encounter still to this day that have not written down? This is when we use email and this is when we meet and this is how we make decisions. And oh, by the way, nobody wants to come in on Friday. So let's not schedule any meetings then. Like those very simple um, team agreements and intentional uh, choices save so many other problems. It's so funny to me that I talk to people all the time about this stuff. It's like the most simple thing is meeting agendas. Mm. It's like eat your broccoli, do an agenda. Everybody goes, I know I'm supposed to do an agenda and they don't. <laughs> and then they're shocked that people aren't prepared and they don't know what the meeting is about and they're not, and they run long and they get off track. It, it's a very simple thing that makes a difference. And this idea of being mindful or dare I say selfishly meeting like you mean it, um, you know, it's just, just stop and think about what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. And if you are a competent leader of any kind, odds are you are well on your way to doing that. Well, and the uh, other thing I think we've learned is that you know, like all of these fabulous best practices, diet and exercise is kind of similar, right? The stopping and doing the work to set up your environment and make sure that it is um, easy for you to fall into the habits that you want to have happen um, is always something that people do not believe they have time to do. And yet they will spend an extra six months unwinding all of the mess. <laughs> <laughs> that happens because they didn't do it. And that's certainly very true still to this day with the remote work thing. So we have seen a number of, um, especially the larger companies that when they went remote and originally their meeting load went through the roof. And that's that's natural, right? As you're going doing a major transition, you do need to talk more to figure out how to work through that transition. But they never came back down. Right. They never stopped and said, OK, we're past the major crisis. Now let's step back and, and design how we work in this context, which is one of the reasons why we're seeing um, similar sort of flip flop reactionary uh, decisions getting made today that are easy decisions to make with nasty ramifications. Well, everybody's back we... in the office two days a week, for example. Yeah, as we knew was going to happen, this conversation could go on for a very, very long time. <laughs> yes. Instead, what I'm going to suggest, Elise, is we are going to end it here in July after the grand soiree and all of the information has been processed and smushed and dealt with. I'm going to invite you back to debrief the whole crazy exercise. So we will find this out, readers, or readers, listeners, keep us honest. Uh, if we are not giving you these results, keep honest until we do. Uh, but thank you so much. And, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about it and to play in your sandbox, because I will be part of the symposium in January, whether that is a positive or negative, the listeners can decide for themselves. But I am one of many. So it's not like you know, it's, it's, it's going to be 
so fun. It's going to be so fun. Thank you so much for um, helping us get the word out because the more people involved, the more diverse our perspectives, the better our answers. Let's well, go create some awesome we, answers together. This is what we want. I mean, first of all, fun is good, right? Misery is always optional. Uh, but we do encourage you to visit the blog site, uh, visit longdistanceworklife.com, sign up, find the links, find out where you can kind of track process, progress as this experiment continues. I am going to dismiss Elise momentarily and just remind you all, thank you for listening to The Long Distance Work Life. If you are interested in team building and collaboration, our new book, The Long Distance Team, comes out in February. We are super excited about that. If you are interested in demystifying remote leadership, visit longdistanceworklife.com slash video. There's a four-part free video series. We welcome you to that. And of course, if you're listening to podcasts, it's not like this is the first one you've ever heard. So you know the rules. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Really, the audience is growing very quickly for this show. And I am going to assume that that is because we have candid, fun, energetic conversations like we just had with Elise. So by golly, if you want to reach me, I'm on LinkedIn, Wayne Tremell, Wayne at KevinEikenberry.com. Marissa, who is the brains of this operation, can be reached at Marissa at KevinEikenberry.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't let the weasels let, get you down, and we will see you on the next episode.